the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Uh oh, there we go, there we go. Now it sounds a little bit like more like me, <laughs> which may be good, which may not be good. I don't know. It's, uh, just, the, it's just the men in the studio today. <laughs> just the man in the studio, and my daughter Stacy is joining us by phone. Uh, by phone. And let me see here how. Uh, just just hit that button and. And uh, hello. Hi, Stacy. Good to hear ah. from you tonight, honey. All right. You're yeah, here. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for uh, joining us by the phone. I know you're home taking care of the family and a uh, little bit of illness there and so on, but uh, you are going to be able to be a trooper and join with us and continue our way through the book of Numbers. Uh, yeah. We're just fixing to remind folks of where we have been. Uh, sometimes I like to begin um, our program, especially in these early months. We start the, we start our way through the entire Bible in the month of November, or early November. We all mm-hmm. uh, we begin with the book of Genesis, and uh, we read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we take the book, the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And then we come back and pick up. Uh, Numbers in Deuteronomy, which we are doing now, and then we'll go back and pick up the second book of the New Testament, the second gospel, the gospel of Mark. And so it, quite often when we're at the beginning of the year, we don't have a, we've got more books ahead of us than we have behind us. Sometimes I like to start off by just reminding folks of where we have been uh, in this little journey so far. Uh, starting with the book of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. So um, maybe we can start that way. Remember the book of Genesis has to do with beginnings. That's what the word Genesis means, the beginning. And not only is it talking about beginning with creation and so on, uh, but also it's a book of beginnings in the sense that it establishes many of the primary basic 
fundamental mm, principles and institutions and understanding of what God is doing now uh, through with the the human race. Why? You know why God created the human race and and uh, what He is doing throughout human history. Uh, the idea that God has created the, the human race in order to draw out of the human race this unique group of sentient, uh, free moral agents uh, who have the ability to understand and choose. We are not uh, driven by instinct, purely by instinct. Of, for example, like the animal kingdom, but we have the the capability of reasoning and and uh, will to make decisions in the context in which we of of will and, and freedom of making decision free will but we do have free will within the context in the limitations that uh, the parameters that God has placed upon us and so human beings make a decision the the most primary decision we make is that of uh, do we want God or do we not want God? Do we desire God or not desire God? We acknowledge Him or do not acknowledge Him, uh, and and so God is calling out of the human race a people for Himself. Those who choose Him, uh, it, it's a it's a relationship of mutual choice. In other words, uh, uh, it's a love relationship that God is seeking with His people, and those of us who desire Him. Uh, that that all of that comes from the book of Genesis. That's the, the primary fundamental uh, framework is set. Is there? What would you add to that, Stace? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we well, I, I mean, yeah, I I always think of um, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> I was reading um, a book. Uh, it's a historical fiction. It's a Francine Rivers book. It's really good. <laughs> that series, um, The Mark of the Line. And there's a point in it that, or there's a spot in it where he's, you know, one of the characters is giving the gospel to someone and telling him about Jesus, and he's just still confused, and he prays, you know, Lord, help me to bring clarity, help me to explain this in a way that, you know, makes sense, and um, and the prayer was answered by him coming to the conclusion to start at the beginning to start at genesis um and 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 that lays like you just said the framework and the foundation for so many things including of course the messiah and the whole reason for you know for the messiah and the need for a savior Uh and um so sometimes you know we think of genesis i think as a you know the the flood and and the serpent garden and it can kind of become a Sunday school cliche felt but it, it's it's so vital it's actually it's really important yes, it <laughs> um, and I, I I love um, you know in creation and you know and it just comes to even defining who we are and giving us meaning yeah. it it ex- it's the very uh, foundation of, of our meaning of course continues but yeah, it um, all, it yeah I love Genesis <laughs> it, has uh-huh. cre- it has all the elements that the, the creation God loves us it introduces right. the problem of sin uh, mm-hmm. inter- it introduces God's plan of redemption that he is going to redeem humanity hire him and want him we, we, he has made a provision for us to be re uh, restored in our relationship right. 
and and um, become then the people of God. And, and it's a it's a fascinating book, the book of Genesis. I, I I was talking to someone this past week about Genesis, and oh, I forget who who it was. We were talking about Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and and the earth became uh, the sometimes some ver- and some versions say the earth was without form and void actually if i remember correctly the the word there is a word that is used for both for the name for the verb was or for the verb became and it says hmm. and, and the and the earth became without form and void uh and so i was telling them about well there is there is a theory at least about genesis 1:1 uh, the earth was formless, and the earth became formless and emptied. And it's called the, the gap theory of the book of Genesis that kind of fills in around the idea. We also have the idea that of Satan being one of the three archangels, Michael the mm-hmm. archangel, Gabriel the messenger, Michael the warrior, and Lucifer, son of the morning, the kind of the... Um, leader of the worship of heaven he was perfect mm-hmm. uh, the the worship surrounding the throne of god and so on and uh, we we have the understanding from ezekiel and from isaiah and from jesus in the new testament it's as one of the three archangels with a third of the angels he was judged by god for his pride and his arrogance i will sit upon the mount zion i will sit on the throne i will i will i will and and he was judged and cast to heaven and the theory is the gap theory. Can't is, stay out. <laughs> the gap theory was in that verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became without form and void. Mm. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth, uh, of the waters. That that gap there is when Satan was cast to earth. Is when the earth came into chaos. The the earth moved. Uh, into you know came under judgment in that sense as satan was and his angels were cast to earth brings order and the, mm. the spirit of god moves upon the face of the deep and and uh, so that uh, there there are things like that big huge themes overriding arching themes of the of the entire human history uh, but mm-hmm. but it all begins in genesis and so we we read through Genesis. It is not a boring book. It begins, in, in one sense, it begins with his beautiful garden and God in fellowship with Adam and Eve and with humanity there. And then it ends, uh, you know, 50 chapters later with a, in, in a coffin in Egypt. <laughs> it starts yeah. in a garden and ends in a coffin in Egypt. So, uh, <laughs> then we move to Exodus, and God brings them out of uh, Egypt, out of that bondage. Remember, they're there in Egypt uh, for 400 years, the uh, book of Genesis, actually. And they mm-hmm. are brought, the word exodus, you can almost guess what that means, exit. <coughs> they are brought out of Egypt, out of the bondage to slavery and, and to sin. And it's a picture, if Genesis is a picture of God's love and the and the redemptive plan and, and the 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 overarching uh, redemptive plan of God for humanity. Exodus is, is a picture of um, perhaps the first aspect of our salvation is justification, where God brings us out of out of the mm-hmm. kingdom of darkness, out of sin, and, and how God arranges and does that 
and, and we have this idea of the Passover. The blood is placed upon the door, doorway, and God brings the people of Israel out of, of God. Uh, the Exodus, the, the Passover. And so Exodus is a picture of uh, justification of, mm-hmm. of, of what God did to to uh, solve the problem of sin and to uh, make it possible for fallen, sinful, frail human creatures like you and me, like all of us, can mm-hmm. be forgiven and cleansed and brought back, have the relationship with God restored, become new, a new race of the redeemed and, uh, and from in the book of Ex- uh, Exodus. So uh, I guess I don't know what more we could say about Exodus. It's it's an exciting book because it has Moses and the ten plagues <laughs> and coming out of Egypt and so on. Charleston Heston's in Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, and in Leviticus, it comes into a little bit more. Uh, we move from now teaching us to be, to live as free people. And Leviticus talks to us about the, the laws of God, the, his, the holiness of God. Uh, and, and, and the theme of Leviticus is worship, learning mm-hmm. learning to worship and live, and dwell in harmony and in, in communion with God. Uh, mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So, uh, and Leviticus takes its name from the Levites, the priestly tribe. And we're told later on in the New Testament, in the book First uh, and Second Peter, that we are a race, the redeemed, mm-hmm. uh, the church in the age in Jesus, the Messiah. We are a race. We are a nation of priests. We, we all of us are, are, are each of us are uh, prophet, priest. We have a role of prophet, priest, and king, uh, even mm-hmm. as our Savior Jesus was. Uh, but we are a nation, a, a priesthood, in that we represent God to fallen humanity, and we rep- represent fallen humanity to God as we intercede for the world and for those around us in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have uh, the beautiful pictures there uh, from the New Testament, um, from the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And now we're in the book of Numbers, which is a picture of, uh, of the journey of life. We've come out of, we've come out of uh, uh, Egypt, and now we begin, we must, uh, we, we are now citizens of heaven. And uh, in the book of Numbers, we have a lot of principles that tell us about uh, how we are to make our journey uh, from redemption and salvation, then even to crossing the Jordan into God's presence, uh, into Canaan, the promised land of eternal life with our Savior, with our God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Numbers talk to us about how, how we, we walk. And, and, and the picture there is the, the tabernacle God dwelling in the midst of his people as they as they go through their wilderness wanderings for these 40 years and, and but God is dwelling within us now dwells in each of us and is guiding and accompanying us through our earthly journey so that you've got you've got beautiful symbolism and beautiful imagery from the Hebrew scriptures about our present spiritual experience, status and experience uh, but each book is also full of its own stories and of its own applications and its own lessons for us to uh, dwell upon and to to uh, to learn from and to take mm-hmm. instruction from. So we, we've covered Numbers chapters 1 through 10 already. Uh, those first 10 chapters of the book of Numbers had to do with the preparations uh, they, for the 12 or 13 months 
And then these are the la this is the last month uh, in the first 10 chapters of, of the book of Numbers about the first month, the last month that they are camped under Mount Sinai. And then they leave there to, to m start moving about 2 million people to start their journey north to go into Canaan, the promised, the land that was promised to uh, Abraham, their, their ancestor, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they begin their journey up. And then we come to Numbers chapters 11. Uh, like I said, the first 10 chapters have to do with preparation to leave Mount Sinai. And um, then ch in chapter 10, they receive the instruction about these silver trumpets that are going to uh, tell them when to make camp, when to break camp and move out. And, uh, and of course, these trumpets were to be blown ritualistically in many si different situations, but also uh, when they go into battle and wh when they uh, uh, when they go to battle, they're to ha the trumpets will be sounded and so on. That's why we see the trumpets take such a prominent place when they grow over the Jordan and uh, into the Battle of Jericho. That's why we see the trumpets, the priests and the, the trumpets take, having such a prominent role. It's because of these commands that are given here in the book of Numbers. Forty years before that, they received these commands about the trumpets uh, guiding, leading them into battle when, when the time came. So uh, it all does still all tie together as well. They're not just independent, isolated books, but there's a one, the one narrative that moves throughout uh, not only these books, but all the, all the scriptures, Old and New Testaments. Mm -hmm. There's that redemptive plan of God, and of course the central character, as we, that's in the Old Testament, uh, the Savior is described and, and he is predicted. We we are told much about this Messiah, this Redeemer who will come. Uh, over 300 predict prophecies, predictions about him, and, and they are fulfilled in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who came to be uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and now we, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. So we, but now we see them tying together. We see them as one continual narrative uh, of God's redemptive plan for humanity. So anyway, we come now to chapters uh, 11 through 27 of the book of Numbers. Uh, um, what can we say, Stacey? Do you want to, should we, before we dive into any great details, uh, maybe we could... Uh, put out a few questions uh, just to kind of, uh, if, in case some of our listeners would like to call in and and uh, kind of join of the uh, of the questions we have, which ones do you think might be most interesting? Um, well, let's see. Um, as far as numbers, I, I guess a real quick review. The, um, the reason it's named numbers are the two census that are taken. Mm -hmm. uh, and but we had covered that before, so that's not a question. <laughs> but just to kind of, um, I'll, I want to ask a question that gives some overall kind of context and, and who the, some of the players are and who some of the players are coming up. Um, this is when you know the twelve spies go into Canaan, as uh -huh. it happens in Numbers. So of the twelve spies that went into Canaan, which two came back with a positive report and encouraged the people to go into the land to conquer it? All right. So there are only two. Um, and that's chapter 14, verses yes. 6 through 9. Nine. Difficult. Most no. people might remember it. 
Uh, but who are these two of the 12 spies that go into the land? Who are the two of them come back with a positive report encouraging the people to go? Who are the two uh, of the spies that uh, are seen, that we see uh, with the positive report? Now, the other 10, of course, came back with a very discouraging, we can't do it, they're too big, they're too great, they're too powerful. And unfortunately, the people uh, listened to them. And they refused to go into the promised land. They rejected the land that God had for them. And uh, they received exactly what they asked for. They, they didn't, did not go in. And, uh, and that the consequences of that decision, for that reason, they... How many square miles was it? Uh, it w- wasn't that big, I don't think. I, I, I don't know the numbers. It was an 11-day journey. They made it, They stretched it out to 40 years. To 40 so years. That's, that is some rough, yes, rough navigation. Okay. Now, there was another question I was thinking of while you said that. Um, the, uh, I think uh, this won't be a question, but what, one thing we will comment on probably uh, in, in this book of Numbers, in these chapters of the book of Numbers, is that there are four from chapters 11 through uh, 11 through 14, Moses prays four times. And we'll talk about each of those prayers. It's very significant, very interesting. Uh, I think it's got some lessons for us uh, in our prayer lives and some, some things that could do us well if we want to see more results of our prayer, if we want to see more answers and positive answers of our prayers to the Lord. We can follow some of the principles that that Moses included. But of the 12 spies that went into the Canaan, which two came back with a pun that... Um, uh, oh, in chapter 15, a man, a, a Hebrew man, was stoned to death. And, and, and if we look at it, in chapter 15, verse 32, he is stoned to death for gathering firewood on the Sabbath. And it seems a little bit overly harsh, you know, when we just read it outright here from our uh, our Bibles. And, and uh, I, I think I gave my question away, Stacy. I think you did. <laughs> I, I was going to ask why was he, why, why was he still there? Right. Uh, but it, it was for for it says here for gathering firewood. But I will I'll, I'll, I'll give it a little more technical. Uh, it wasn't just for gathering firewood. There, there is another reason in the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew context, that it, it, it's a little bit more serious than just gathering firewood, which would have been enough. On the they, Sabbath. They, they on the to, Sabbath. Yeah, right. they were not to work on the Sabbath. But there is a, an understanding that he was doing more than he was gathering wood, but not just for firewood. So maybe someone could give us a question, answer that question. What else is uh, intimated there in that verse, why was this person severity of the of the punishment you know and and there's a lot of punishment in these um, in these chapters here in the yeah. book of numbers there are several occasions when God judge, judges the people, and so we can uh, we can discuss some of that as well well we've uh, kind of gotten our first segment kind of doing a review of Genesis Exodus. Leviticus, and now into the book of Numbers. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of the more specific lessons 
some of the most more specific experiences of the book of Numbers. Uh, maybe someone can tell us how many stops Israel make uh, in this journey. Maybe you will be able to tell us how many stops are registered here in the book of Numbers. But that's what we'll cover for now. We'll be right back. I hope you do not go away. Come back and join me and Stacy here on The Bible Live. We'll be right back. You're listening. Come on, let's tell the story. Come on. You came from heaven to earth to do what? To from the earth to the cross. My death to pray. That was so bad. From the cross to the grave. Back to the sky. We thank you. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable. 878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Good evening. You are listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. That's not me. I'm Stacy. <laughs> but um, I'm so happy to be here, happy to be here tonight with you all. Uh, we are going through the book of Numbers. So last week we read Numbers 11, chapter 11, through Numbers chapter 27. And we just did a little recap this last segment. Dad, you did an awesome job just um, going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Thank you, honey. And yeah, and here we are in Numbers. We have a couple of questions out there. Um, and uh, and now I think we're going to go into uh, just some of the main themes that we pulled out um, in this year's prayers of Moses that start in Numbers chapter 11. And, uh, and I, I particularly love that um, when he does pray that fourth time, asking God to forgive the people, Moses gives God four reasons why he should. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's such a beautiful um, moment where, you know, God, you really get to see the relationship between God and Moses. It feels like a relationship. It's, it doesn't, uh, relationship, it's going to God, um, declaring who God is, even to God himself, which is a little bit of a hint. But I just wanted to maybe come back with the this segment and have you, Dad, talk a little bit more about that and um, the lessons, share. Yeah, the lessons that we can learn from these four prayers of Moses. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Stacey. I'm really touched by each and every one of them. They're, they're very interesting. Yeah. Numbers chapters 11, uh, the first, uh, this first two actually are in Numbers chapter 11. The third prayer is in chapter um, 12, 
and the fourth mm -hmm. prayer is in chapter 14. Uh, four prayers that Moses offers up, and, and you're talking about that. Moses actually explains to God the reasons for his prayer, which, which the motivation, and I think the reasons, yeah, God should answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the reason God should answer, and and I think there's something. There are principles involved. It's not unique to Moses. We see these same principles involved in the prayers of, of, uh, for example, um, um, Daniel, uh, who, <laughs> and, and I'm having a mental block here about the. Uh, other prayer lives, there's there's some principles involved as to how how and why they saw God answer their prayers in a positive way so so many times, and uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, these are these are all very interesting. Now there there are four prayers. I don't know. Uh, let me let me review these questions that we have out for people. We okay. ask for the names of the two, who are the two tribal leaders, Canaan, who came back with a positive report. If you know the name of these two tribal leaders, the leaders of two different tribes of Israel, that came back with a positive report uh, as distinguishing them as distinct from the other ten spies who came back with a discouraging uh, report, saying, no, they're too big, they're too great, we cannot go in uh, we cannot defeat them. And so what are the names of these two uh, men who came back, two of the spies that came back with the positive report? That's one question we have. What the the man who was gathering firewood on the Sabbath in chapter 15 of the book of Numbers, it says gathering firewood, firewood on the Sabbath. But we've we've said in, in other places, and and uh, in the Jewish tradition tell, says that there was another reason he was gathering wood, not just firewood, and was. So we had that question out there, and so now let, with those in mind, our phone number is two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you'd like to. I'll take a stab at one of those questions and give us the answer. We'd love to hear from you. And maybe you have a comment or a question or about some other aspect of the book of Numbers or any other question that has to do with the scriptures. That's what the Bible Live program is all about, uh, all things biblical. And if you have a question or a comment or a thought about, um, give us a call, 210-340-9585. Maybe you even have a question about how the scriptures relate to what What's going on in our world today in, in, in terms of uh, a plague, <laughs> for example? We <laughs> see several of those in the book of uh, Numbers. and We have COVID going on. We have uh, all kinds of developments in the economic world, in the uh, political, geopolitical world of our times. Uh, maybe you have a thought or a question about the Scriptures uh, in regard to any of these different aspects. Just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Be a part of the program here on The Bible Life. To go to these prayers, Stace, real quickly. Uh, as I said, the first prayer takes place in chapter 11, and it has to do uh, with Israel complaining again. Uh, <laughs> they, they have this, I guess, I mean, we're not talking about just a little bit of a group of people. I mean, we're talking about upwards of two two million people traveling and yeah. it's a huge huge but but 
the general attitude is one of negativity and and complaining and you know we come out here to starve to death at least we had food to eat back in egypt and and so on uh so there's this complaining well uh, fire from the I, lord yeah. it says fire from the lord is released and, and destroys some on the outskirts of the camp in other words there's some kind of a disaster that takes place uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's natural disaster or something that was caused, a, a fire that was caused or somehow, but uh, it, it was seen as a judgment from the Lord. And uh, and Moses prays uh, about that, uh, that the people would be delivered from that. And mm-hmm. so his first prayer has to was to end the, God's judgment on Israel for their complaining. And then in chapter 11... The people uh, say, we need food. We want food. We need meat, not just this manna all the time. <laughs> That's so funny. That's hilarious, actually. Uh, we're tired of this manna. Uh, we need some... This miraculous manna. <laughs> this yeah, miracle. Yeah, this miracle of provision for their lives, but they get tired of it. And so, uh-huh. uh, and, and, and so Moses prays for them, and all of a sudden, quail start... Yeah. migrating over their camp and land. Uh, I don't know how they hunt quail. I love quail hunting. Do you remember when I took you and your brother quail hunting? Oh, oh I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm used pretty to sure. We, we used to go quail hunting in, in up in West Texas, Amarillo, when I was growing up, quail and pheasant. I took the kids one time, and it's a... Uh, it's an indelible memory in their mind. <laughs> Memorable, we, for sure. We were quite miserable, actually. I, I don't know how much quail hunting we actually did. but I don't remember we're, either, really. We're from <laughs> South Texas. We weren't used to snow. I think that's what did it. There was that's snow. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't prepare you adequately. But anyway, uh, quail <laughs> was delivered to the people. I don't know how they hunted them, uh, yeah. how they caught quail, but they had meat to eat. For 40 years, God supplied manna and quail for this people that, that that's mm-hmm. an astounding thought really i mean just incredibly mm-hmm. uh, incredible thing that god did and it's a result of moses prayer moses prayed and god responded the third prayer of moses is when uh, his sister miriam remember Remember, Stacy. You remember how important Miriam was to, yes. to Moses' oh, life. Yeah. They must have been quite close. He and his sister. I'm guessing. Uh-huh. But, uh, remind us of where who Miriam is and how she plays. Oh, into sure. This. Oh, sure. Miriam was um, in charge of. Well, when Moses was put in the reeds in the basket way in Egypt, and Miriam, I guess, was a little girl. As a baby, she followed. Right? Uh huh. And uh, well, Moses as a baby, and Miriam as a little girl. She followed the basket and uh, watched to see what would happen when Pharaoh's. Uh, let's see, it was Pharaoh's daughter, right? right. Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're right. Found uh, Moses. Miriam is the one who saw it happening, and when. Uh, Sarah's daughter needed a somebody to nurse the baby. Miriam was right there to give <laughs> the suggestion that oh, her mother do it, and so Miriam was very instrumental in having Moses raised essentially by his own, or, or you know, nursed uh-huh. by his own mother and raised still with her as a as a quote you know as a midwife, and uh, so 
And it explains partly why Moses, who was raised with all of the privilege and all of the opportunities of, of a prince of Egypt in, in the uh-huh. palaces of Egypt, uh, but he retained his identity as a Hebrew, as part of the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, mm-hmm. and when the time came, he identified with his people. He chose to identify more with his people than with than with the even the royalty of the yeah. Egyptian palace. And, of course, that was the beginning of Moses uh, fleeing out into the wilderness for the second 40 years of his life. And in the third 40 years that we're reading about now as he leads the people of Israel. So Miriam was uh, quite close to her brother and quite dear to him i'm sure they were mm-hmm. but but she becomes she and her uh brother aaron they 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 grow jealous of moses influence and and uh his power or influence over the people of israel at this time in chapter 12 it says that she and aaron criticize moses for marrying a Cushite or Ethiopian woman, which we're talking about Zipporah, I, so, I assume. And they seem to be jealous of his power and influence. And uh, God has to, you know, he has to uh, punish Miriam. She is struck with leprosy. And yeah. Moses prays for God to heal her. In spite of the fact that it, he, she was, in fact, attacking him or undermining his authority, uh, he prays for God to heal her, and God hears his prayer and and does indeed heal his sister, which is mm-hmm. uh, quite... So the first prayer is for God's judge in God's judgment on the people of Israel. The second prayer was for provision uh, of food for the people of Israel. The third prayer was for... God's healing power in the life of his sister or another person. And his fourth prayer has to do with uh, a, a, another opportunity where where the people of Israel rebel against God and they refuse to go, when they refuse to go into the promised land uh, as the two, as the two good spies who are <laughs> unnamed because we're waiting on a caller to tell us the names of those two <laughs> two good spies. Uh, but they refuse to go into the promised land uh, and rejecting the gift of, of the promised land that God had was giving to them, had preserved for them. Uh, he, God says, I'm going to, I'm, I've had it with these people. I'm going to destroy them all. And I'm going to start all over again, starting with you, Moses. And, and so he, the whole point is that he, I, I'm going to erase it. We're going to we're going to reset, and I'm going to start raising up uh, another people to be the bearers of my name, and to and and I'm going to start them off with you, Moses. And you would think Moses would go, oh, that'd be pretty cool. I'll be I'll, I'll be the new Abraham, you know. But but Moses says, no, no, I, I don't want that. And he yeah. asks God, he prays again this fourth prayer, and and. Ask God not to do that, and He prays. In this prayer, where He says we're actually given His motivations, yeah. Moses uh, says there are four reasons that He wants God to preserve Israel, 
And these are these are these are very interesting reasons, and I think they can be a guideline for us in terms of how to get answers to our prayers, whether it's for someone's healing or for someone be delivered from punishment or difficulties in their life or uh, wh- whatever these practical areas that we pray for people a lot. Uh, it's, it's good to remember these motivations uh, that, that Moses talked about in this fourth prayer. Maybe you'd like to go through those, Stacy, and kind of give it your spin and your, your perspective. Right. Well, one of the things before that kind of stands out about Moses is his humility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, humility, not thinking too low of yourself, not thinking too high of yourself, but really not thinking of yourself at all. And that kind of is really does undergird these prayers and what Moses, he's not praying, really, he's not coming to it from a place of his own, I mean, it's certainly his own desires and his own, but he's praying because of who God is, not because of who he is. And um, and it's a real, I think that that's kind of at the heart of when we go before the Lord, but when we go before the throne of God, yeah, um, he prays um, that God would forgive the people for his namesake, for God's for for your namesake, Lord. Um, for yeah, you're going to look that bad. You would forget. You're <laughs> right. look bad, God. When, <laughs> if 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 you have to start all over and you if you destroy this people, everybody knows that they're your people. That they're mm-hmm. they they came out of Egypt to worship you, and and they I mean, this is this thing was not done in a corner. I mean. You know, right. people, other nations, and people knew about this. This new people, these Isra- this people of Israel who are down in Egypt, and God delivered them. Uh, mm-hmm. Even forty years later, they're they're talking still about how God brought this people out of Egypt. Uh, and so, she, one of the reasons for his prayer is that, Lord, your you, your name is in that you you've committed yourself to this, and you're gonna you know. <laughs> it's not going to look good if you. Yeah. For, so for your name's sake, I, yeah. I think that that's. Are we asking? Are we talking and asking God for things when we pray to Him? Are we thinking of His perspective of, for His uh, cause, for His name's sake, for His kingdom, for His right. glory, whatever? So, mm-hmm. okay, right. that's one thing. And then as a te- and this kind of in as a testimony of His power, mm-hmm. um, and Moses knows full well God can't you know will will do it and what he can do, the depths there, the heights of his abilities to forgive and to um, bring one through or to, I mean, they they walked through the Red Sea and he knows what God can do. So it is a testimony of his power. Uh So for his namesake, as a testimony of his power, as a testimony of his patience, Moses reminds God. He's, he, that hey, you're patient. <laughs> I know you are, yeah. <laughs> and of his unfailing love. Is that, is and, that like when we tell our children that they're testing our patience? <laughs> Were they testing God's patience? I think so. Right? Oh, I'm sure. Yes, um, but he is a long-suffering God. He is patient, and uh, and. And, and Moses reminds him yeah, I, I, of, of who he is, and um, and God, sure enough, of course, he says, "Okay, you're right. I am those things," <laughs> and he does. He forgives them, and 
Uh, it reminds me, you know, a lot of times they you know, uh, talk about uh, the messianic, the prototype, um, uh, the Jesus, uh, Jesus prototype, and Moses is included in that group. Um, and I can see that especially in these in this section of Numbers, where Moses really you can see his um, interceding for the people and becoming that intermediary um, for us in, in very similar you know role that Jesus yeah, you know, is for a, us. We have, that, we have that song that is sung that, that I am a friend of God. I, yeah, yeah, that, mm, that, uh-huh. And of course, that that's modeled or inspired uh, essentially, I think, by Moses, who was called a friend, yeah. a friend of God. Uh, uh. And you, and as you you mentioned it earlier, and you when you were talking about Moses, that that, that that there you can see clearly that there was more than just a you know some sort of a distant God that that there was a right. relationship that that Moses dialogued. He entered into. Uh, entered into conversations. He brought God into his personal life and and opened up some of his own struggles to God and and he expressed himself openly and to God, honestly toward God. And so there there was this friendship. And you mentioned the idea of that Moses was also thought of as as humble, that he was. Mm-hmm. Hum- and, and I've always thought, in terms of humility, we always say, you know. Um, that you know, we want humility, and and we try to think think of it. I, I think the key to humility is not so much thinking less of ourselves, uh, and 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 I know because I have been through struggles with this. Uh, I, I remember even in high school as a young young believer, I I came to the conclusion that boy, you, I'm I'm addicted to myself. You know, I just talk too much. I I just think too much about. Everything I, every time I turn around, I'm thinking about myself and talking about myself, and I really did. I was about in the it was about eighth and ninth grade. I came to that point, and I I determined in my mind I'm just going to shut up. I'm I'm just I'm going to stop thinking so much about myself. I'm going to focus on trying to think about others and 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 so on. And and so I, I kind of went through a, a full, it was about a year year or more thinking about how can I, you know, I I want to learn more how to be humble. And I began to watch guys who were quieter. I was, I, you know, I was kind of outspoken and I was a extrovert and uh, kind of a sanguine personality. So I was always kind of like a Peter. I was always entering a room mouth first. <laughs> and and I remember going through that idea of, of how do you learn humility? And I, I think I come to the conclusion that the key to humility is not necessarily thinking less of yourself. But the focus, in, actually, it, it's to think rightly and in great, high, exalted thoughts of God Himself. Uh, some of the times when I'm been most humble is when I see this awe-inspiring examples of God's power and His glory and His majesty and His love, and oh, and I'm just I'm humbled just seeing how great and glorious and majestic God is. Uh-huh. And for some reason, it, it, it I, I just, I lose that that kind of tendency to be thinking about self and how my own, looking at things from my own selfish perspective. So I think the key to humility is not thinking less of yourself, but to think rightly and highly of God. And that's one thing Moses seemed to exercise is a very exalted high view of God. And that, that may have been one of the keys to his humility. Uh, 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that kind of reminds me of just even that um, phrasing, thinking high uh, of God and high. <laughs> um, I want to throw out one more question before we go into the break because I uh-huh. think we're about to soon. Go for it. Um, but this it comes up later in um, Numbers. So in Numbers 21, they're complaining and grumbling again. Um, and let's see. What did God use to provide healing for the snake bites, and how were victims healed? Yes. And so that is in Numbers chapter 21. So we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but this is such an important part in the book of Numbers. Yeah. Um, because it plays, you know, into, of course, um, well, the cross. I mean, you know, who are we ultimately looking high and up to? But what, were, what did God use to provide healing for snake bites? And how were the victims healed? And a bonus, what ultimately happened to that item? <laughs> oh, but that's we, the that's what you call painting yourself into a corner. <laughs> but yeah, you, yes. you got it right. They, they uh, Israel grumbled and complained about the lack of water and food, and God sent poisonous snakes as punishment. Uh, but the people act, responded, actually responded by confessing their sin and asking to, yeah. for forgiveness. And God provided healing uh, for their snake bites. And we want to know how, how? How, did, how could they be healed from the snake bites? It's found in uh, Numbers chapter 21. Give us a call, 210-340-9585, 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and the Bible life. Come back and take your phone calls. To me, I wanna take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, and we're back. <laughs> and we do have a caller. Um, we've got a couple of questions that are out there. Uh, one of the first questions we put out there, we're in the book of Numbers again, Numbers 11 through chapter 11 through chapter 27. Um, this is Stacy, and Soapy Dollar is your host who is in the studio. 
Um, hi, Dad. Hi, honey. Sure. And so our first question that we had out there, uh, we have a caller, Lee, on the line. Um, of the 12 spies that went into Canaan, which two came back with a positive report and encouraged the people to go into the land and to conquer it? They did not ultimately, uh, Israel did not ultimately go in at that point, but these two spies of the 12 um, were the only two that said that they should. And I'm, I'm not yes. sure that that's, is that the question you wanted to answer, Lee? Um, yeah, let's find out. Okay. Lee? Give the others either. Oh, Caleb and Joshua. Okay. Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, he can answer the other questions as well, Stace. Oh, you've got the other ones. Okay, we had another question was, in Chapter 15, a man was stoned to death for doing what? And we already established that he was gathering firewood on the Sabbath. Um, the Hebrew text, though, kind of indicates or implies that there was more to it than just that he was fire- gathering just plain old firewood on the Sabbath. Can you, um, what what else might have been going on there that would have um you know, given the response yeah, of him being stoned. As I understand it, they weren't supposed to be cooking and doing meals on the Sabbath either. So mm-hmm. it was obvious that if he was gathering firewood, he was trying to build a fire to cook. For something, right. Yes, For cooking. There is a tradition as well, Lee, you might be interested in this, that now uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't show up necessarily in our English uh, translation from the Hebrew but in the Hebrew text and context, the Hebrew tradition that he was actually gathering wood for to not only firewood, but also to fashion or, or to make an idol. Idol, yeah. Ah, yes, that's right. That we, we've, yeah. we've mentioned that over the years, but I, I, and it's not there immediately clear in the context, but uh, it's one, one that comes to us from the Hebrew tradition of this particular passage. There, what was the other question, Stacy? Oh, one of my favorites. Let's see, Lee. If we can, if we can maybe, do three. Maybe Lee remembers it. Yeah, the question is, how were the people of Israel saved from the snake bites? They, and they were yeah. saved by Ray. Uh, they fashioned. Do uh, you know the medical? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, symbol that that we wear. Uh, like when I used to work at the medical department out there in Fort Sam, uh-huh. and it has a, uh-huh. a serpent on it. Yes. And they they fashioned, uh, 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 well, to me it's a cross with a serpent on it, and it was raised up, and everybody that looked on that was healed. Uh-huh. Oh, amen. <laughs> well, you know, yes. we, we were wondering about that. If it, We were thinking that that was, was that indeed, Lee, the... the um, the caduceus. The idea behind the, isn't that a symbol of the Hipp- Hippocratic oath or the Hipp- something to do with modern even medicine now? It, it, that idea of a serpent on a pole or a cross there it, it, is that taken? You think from the biblical imagery? Yes. Yeah, my wife's sitting right here, and she's been in the medical field, and she's saying yes, and I'm saying yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's the the current army insignia for the lapel uh-huh. for the medical branch is the caduceus. I see. That's what it's called, uh-huh. the caduceus. Very, yes, sir. Very interesting. Now then, as, as a as a um, bonus, this is kind of a bonus question. Do you know what happened to that bronze um, serpent that Moses 
put up there in the wilderness. Do you know what happened to that bronze uh, image? I believe it was cut into pieces because it became an idol. Oh, yes. so good. You got it. But, but, but when did that happen? Do you remember? Oh, I think you're happy there. I'm, I'm trying to remember <laughs> within the future. Um, yeah. It was, it was 400 years later. Oh, that's right. They kept, good, that, they kept that thing for 400 years, and it kept it remained a, a, a you know a, a piece of their history or their history. And if you look in Second Kings chapter 18, Second Kings chapter 18, it says, uh, "Let me see here." Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. Uh, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Uh, it says, Hezekiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, serpent that Moses had made, because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was, was called Nehushtan. Uh, wow. oh, oh, Correct. Is that, is that where you got the name uh, that you mentioned a while ago? The Caduceus. Caduceus. Here it says that bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Uh, but but yeah. that, that's um, in Hebrew terms that means snake. Right. The reason I uh, I used to work uh, for the Calvary store and we sold insignia, and that's uh, that's the medical insignia. And right. as I remember it, he was called the Caduceus. Uh-huh. No, I no, could be wrong. But. No, it may well be right. This is the, uh, of course, what 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 this is talking about. It was called that in Hebrew, Nahushtan. Uh, it sounds like the Hebrew terms that mean snake, bronze, and unclean thing. That's the, the, wow. The background. Well, wow. That, that's interesting that you knew that, though. But can you believe that they carried that thing around for 400 years? It kind of reminds me uh, there was something else that the people of Israel carried around for a lot of years, and it came to mean it came to be something that was very uh, destructive. It seems like it was something that belonged to. Um, 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 oh, one of the judges of Israel. Uh, I can't remember which one now. It, uh, Gideon. It, there was something that Gideon, uh, a, a goat, it was something that Gideon had, a breastplate or something. And it, it too became, they began to uh, worship it. Became, worship it. Yeah, into a yeah. religious ritual. And they ended up destroying it as well. But, um, wow, that... Not many, not many people know that, Lee. That's a good. We owe you a big applause. That was that was very good. The studio audience is going wild. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Good job, God Lee. Bless that, you. That, God bless you. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. You're welcome. All Thanks right. for your good program and all that great knowledge you have. In oh, Jesus' uh, name. We enjoy immensely going through this with you guys. It's a great blessing to hear from you. Okay. All right. God bless you. you bye-bye. Too. Bye-bye. Oh, well, Stace, how about that? I didn't know anyone would get the answer yeah, to that question, question, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I was unsure. But, yeah. Uh, but Lee knew the answer. He and his wife got their mind, their heads together. Two minds are better <laughs> than one, and they came up with the answer. I don't, yes. I don't know if we still have a question out there or not. Now, let me see. 
I think yeah. that answered them all. Um, yeah, he did. Caleb, uh-huh. and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua were the two spies that came back with the positive report, mm-hmm. uh, while the other ten uh, emphasized that they're too big, we're like grasshoppers to them, and we can't do it. And uh, they were turned back. And what were the consequences now? It could have been totally different if they had just obeyed, but uh, it took another twist and turn here. And uh, as a result of that, we have the book of Numbers, <laughs> which, te- which tell about uh, 40 years. Now, they were 40, 40 years went by before they had another chance to enter into the promised land. Uh, and and what, what, what happened during those 40 years, Stace? How, oh, you had asked this question um, in terms of how many stops they ended up kind of making along the way. Is that is that what you mean? As well, far I mean, as uh, uh, but there were other consequences. It was not just not just a delay. Uh, oh, sure. There were certain people who were not even allowed yeah. to go into the promised land. Uh, the whole first generation. That whole generation. It's, that whole generation passed isn't away. Isn't amazing? That's amazing. The consequences. Yeah. The consequences of decisions. Sometimes It reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, we all get what we want, but not all like what they get. You know, that's C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they didn't, you know, in a way, God gave in, them in. what they didn't want to go in. So God said, okay. <laughs> Don't go in. And they lost the privilege the opportunity of going and but god did a greater even greater work of grace and a new generation yeah. raised up uh, a new exceptions to the rule all of the males uh, all of the male uh, from that first generation of 20 years old and older all of them w- were uh, destined to die away in the wilderness they were not going into the into the promised land until 40 years later, they came back to the east side of the Jordan, uh, and they were camped there uh, and ready to go in. And that's where, actually, that's where the book of Numbers ends, uh, is that they end, a second census is taken uh, in, in the last of the book of Numbers. Uh, and that's, of course, where the nation, in chapter 26, they take another census, of the fighting men, 20 years old and older, in the land, uh, in the nation, and they and they begin their last month, and that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's a record of that last month camped on the east side of the Jordan, and it's, it records four speeches that Moses gives to the people. They're not able to. Uh, enter into the promised land. Maybe a, maybe we, another caller could call in and remind our listeners why was Moses not allowed to enter into the promised land? Uh, does anybody re- recall why Moses was not given uh, the ability or uh, was not able to enter into the promised land? Moses himself uh, also received the consequences of his own uh, actions and decisions. So uh, maybe we can get another caller uh, call in with the answer to that question. Why was Moses not allowed to enter into the promised land? And as a bonus question, I would ask this question: When was when was Moses allowed to enter the promised land? That's the bonus question. 
Why was Moses not allowed to enter into the promised land? And then when was he allowed to enter the promised land? That's the bonus question. Ooh, I think I know that one. (laughs) (laughs) 210-340-9585. Give us a call. We only have not too long, about eight or nine minutes left in the program. We'd love to get a call. I'd love to find somebody who knows the answer to those two questions. Why was Moses not allowed, and when was he allowed to enter the promised land? Give us a call, 210-340-9585, if you know the answer to that question. We'll keep our eyes on the phone for your call. Mm -hmm. What else could we uh, mention? Well, it seems like a lot of, yeah, a lot of... um very relational. I mean, and a lot of what happens in the book of Numbers, it does seem, has to do not only with the people's relationship with God and God with the people and Moses interceding, and but you have this whole the establishment of, of really of of the priests yes. and of the high priest and of of Aaron and their place and their role, and you kind of you start to see how it's going to actually relationally work (laughs) or not work not simple it was not simple no it was simple for god it was for simple for god to lay out his plan but the people boy they had a hard time yes uh, accepting uh, the authority problem with moses leadership and authority and then there was this this rebellion by a, a a levite named korah led 250 community leaders in a rebellion against Moses and Aaron because they wanted to share the power and prestige of the priesthood, which is very interesting. Back in Egypt, the priesthood was a very favored uh, class of people. Remember that when uh, when Joseph went down into Egypt, the, the... all of the land and all of the uh, the crops and everything, the, the the herds and everything. Remember, during those those years of the famine, uh, the, the the Pharaoh bought up all of the land and all the herds of Egypt. So, ultimately, the government Pharaoh owned all of the land and all all of the property and all of the herds, except that of the priests of Egypt. And so the priesthood in Egypt was a very highly favored and privileged class of people. And I think perhaps uh, that kind of carried on into the experience of the people of Israel. And you have, uh, you have um, well, you had Miriam and, and Aaron. And then now you have Korah, this rebellion, of his rebellion that he led. And uh, these 250 leaders, there was a, a spiritual showdown in a way. Almost as as dramatic as the one w- with um, when Elijah met on the Mount Carmel with, with the seven yeah. priests of, of Baal, they had this spiritual showdown, and God revealed that the priesthood was to remain in the line of Aaron, because the earth opened up and swallowed the families belonging uh, belo- and belongings, turning incense to the Lord. I mean. Uh, yeah, the Lord sort of, he doesn't get more. <laughs> yeah, pretty well. He settled that argument that's, pretty. Uh, that's pretty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. It wasn't an easy thing, but but uh, finally, though, uh, Moses and Aaron's authority was confirmed. Uh, remember, Moses, uh, they they brought out a, um, a staff uh, from each of the leaders of tribes of Israel. And only Aaron's staff blossomed overnight and produced yeah. and produced almonds. 
and, and that was the confirmation that uh, Aaron was to be the chief priest and that the Levites were to be the priests and ministers uh, on behalf of the people to the Lord. So uh, it, it's a pretty dramatic lessons, uh, hard-learned lessons that people went through. Yeah. Uh, and, and some interesting details in these 40 years of travel, the things that happened to the people of Israel during in the book uh, as they wander through these 40 years. Not a great deal of detail has gone into over the 40 years, uh, but we do have that detail. There are 42 stops that, that took place, and um, then they ended up on the east coast of uh, or, or uh, shore of the, of the um, Jordan River before mm -hmm. camped there waiting again with the opportunity to go into the promised land. Now, what was that question we got out there, Stacy? for people? To well, ask? we have it out there. Um, why was Moses not allowed to enter the promised land? And then uh, when was he allowed to enter the promised land? It's kind of a trick question, I think. I don't know. If it, it, it's, it's kind of a trick question, but it's, <laughs> it's not really. Uh, it, it, for for those of a biblical mindset, that uh, sounds the most tricky of all. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps so. I, guess. <laughs> I just, I real quickly. It's a, um, it's did, a good question for our Bible Live audience. That yes, they will enjoy it's this. Fun. Give us a call quickly if you know the answer. Why was Moses land two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five? You need to call quickly now with your answer. So we can get you on the air. What were you going to? Ask? What were you going to add? Well, to I was just going to say, you know, after with all of that and the the Levites and the priesthood and them uh, um, having their authority questioned and rebellion, um, I just think it's so neat how God. It's very parental. Uh, all of that, and then the Levites, instead of inheriting land in the promised land, they receive their food and financial support from the other tribes. Right. And so even though they are put sort of, you know, as in, you would think kind of an in charge or this place of authority and respect, their entire livelihood is dependent on tithes from the other tribes. And then, Very interesting, um, right, yes. Right, and then the Levites also experienced the joy and the privilege of giving when they gave how um, much and to whom um, the tithe to the priests. So the Levites were the were the ones to tithe to the priests. And if they disrespected or misused the offerings that God's people, they their punishment was death. And so it's you know it's kind of God turning around and. You are their servant. You you are serving the people, and it kind of gives a, an image of our, you know, that's sort of what our leadership ideally should be today in terms of government. And exactly. they are yes, they're in a position of a, of authority, but ultimately, your authority you're there to serve the people, um, and that kind of reminder of yeah, and that's a reminder that we as a, as a nation, as the people of God today, uh, according to. Second uh, Peter in the New Testament, we are a we are a nation of priests, we of of, of that bridge between God and humanity. We represent mm -hmm. God to the people as we help them to come to know Him, and we help re relate, bring the needs of the of the people to God through intercessory prayer. Right. We, do Which is a, the, we do have yeah. this 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 uh, experience of Balaam. It's a big experience, chapters twenty two through twenty six. 
the Balaam leading uh, Balak, this king, hires this this hitman, this priest from the east, from the Magi, from over in, in Babylon. He hires this priest to come over and curse Israel, but he can't do it. And even his donkey talks to him uh, in Balaam. And so Balaam then becomes, uh, he, he, he quotes Abraham's promise from back in uh, the book of Genesis. Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you. From Jock wants him to. And uh, he uh, is unable, but he also gives a prophecy that a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge. I see him, the Messiah, not in the present. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. And it is said that Balaam's prediction there, his vision is was the inspiration for the Magi to come to follow the star to the city of Bethlehem uh-huh. many, many hundreds of years later. Well, there's yeah. our music. Uh, the answer to the question is that Moses came into Israel at the transfiguration of Jesus in the New Testament. <laughs> awesome. Have a good week, everyone. mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and ValuableLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.